Welcome to this sermon from Silver Lake Baptist Church. Our mission is to celebrate the greatness of God with all we are for the joy, hope, and renewal of our community. We are so glad you have chosen to listen to our message. We pray you will be blessed by your time with us today. How cool is that? Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for being with us. Thank you for loving us and being so faithful. We just give you the praise this morning. Holy Spirit, speak through me in the mighty name of Yeshua. Amen. So, um, how cool is that? The goats, like even on the, like I, everywhere I go, I'm running into goats. So, so like where I, where I, the pastor where I have my horses, the, um, they have goats there too. And so there's like four goats. And so like they're all over the place. And so like you can't keep them in and like they're just going all around. And so every time I pull up, like I got, went to leave the other day after feeding hay and these goats are like sleeping under my truck. And I'm like, okay, guys, you can find a better place to sleep than under my truck. And then they'll come here. I'm out feeding horses, and they're like, I want to eat, I want to eat too. And they got like all this grass out here. I'm like, well, okay, what, whatever. But so it's really cool that that um, for that program. And so thank you guys for doing that. That's fabulous. And so that kind of stuff changes people's lives. And so I'm so thankful for that. And so thank you guys for for all you do. So um, we're coming out. Last week was Passover, right? And so I was thinking about Passover, and we actually did a Passover last night, too, up in Cedar Woolley at a really cool little community church, and it was really fun, and we, we just had a blast. But um, God keeps dropping things into my heart about Passover because we forget the power of the promise that God gave. God gave us promises, and in his promises, they are all maybe, right? Yes. What? Yes. They're all, yes? Did you say yes, they're all maybe, or yes? No. No? They're all what? They're all yes and amen. If you look it up in, in the original language, you know what it means? Yes and amen. So that's pretty cool, but um, like you can tell I'm getting... Like, I marked this for a Passover Seder, so I still got, I was almost missing their plastic fork. But um, I, in, in Passover, I love this because in Exodus chapter 12, you're like, man, are you ever going to get over Passover? No, because Jesus is my Passover, right? And um, one of the things that, like, we always bring up, and, and um, my, my wife's Nana um, always told us, she's like, you are a partaker of Passover. So therefore, whatever is coming contrary to God's promises, this too must pass over you. And so there's a blessing in being in Christ Jesus and being in who he is and covered under his blood. And so living in him, and the Bible says in him, we live in him and through him. In him we live, in him we move, in him we have our being. Well, where, where is it? in him? I'm in him, right? And he's in me. Well, how is he in you? Is like, like, and one of the things God's really challenging me on is not, like I always pray to a God that, like from the time I was little, I always thought, well, our Father who art in heaven, like heaven's way off out here. And then it made him feel so distant. And then I get confused because they're like, would you accept Jesus into your heart? And I was like, yeah, but like if he's in my heart, why am I praying to a God way off? Now, now think about that. And so it gives us 
it, it gave me a sense of insecurity that God wasn't necessarily with me. Do you guys hear what I'm saying? And so if, if there's a benefit to Jesus being in our heart, if there's a benefit of Jesus living in us and living with us, we find that it is in the gospel that says God with us. When he said Emmanuel, God with us. That's what, exactly what it means. But the gospel's even better than what we think. It's even greater than what we think because it's not just about God with us, but it's God in us, right? It's the Holy Spirit. It's the Father. It's the Son. It's the fullness of God in Jesus lives inside of us. And so when we accept him into our heart, we're always like, I accept you into my heart. And then I look and I pray off like he's a far off God. I mean, am I the only one who's ever done that? And so God's been changing my heart and starting to open my eyes to things that I've never seen before. And as he does it, it's starting to open, open things up in the scriptures like I've never seen before. Because we're always, it's like we're always trying to go somewhere or to get something. And if the fullness of God is in Jesus and if Jesus is in us and we've got, that means that all of God, the fullness of the deity of God is in Jesus and he's in us. We have all of God in us. So now if we got all of him in us, does God lack anything? Does God need anything? No. So, so when I'm coming to God, I'm, that's why he gives us the promise, because that promise is in him. And so we can continually try. And this is another, like I've seen the scripture, those who have will be given more. Those who don't have. What they do have will be taken. And everyone's like, well, that's got to be money. I'm, I like, like, I need more money. And, you know, and, it's, and I don't think it has much to do with money. I think it has to do with grace, with peace, with everything. Because if we try, like I grew up in a really religious, hardcore uh, um, <clears throat> structure. And my mom and dad loved God. And I thank God for how I grew up because I learned I got a foundation and a heart for God in it. But what, what I always thought was I was always trying to become righteous. I was always trying to do good enough. And I could never do good enough. So then when I'd mess up, I'd mess up. And I'd be like, oh, well, I'm just a rotten sinner. And there's no hope for me. And I kept running to God, just running. Here, I'm going to God. Oh, I'm going to God. And it's like, take me about two seconds to mess up. Right? You're like, well, how, what were you doing? I was like, hey, if you want to go where Jesus is, Jesus said, if you think If you hate your brother, you're a murderer. Now, take that to another level and think like, because the, the Pharisees would take the, the, the law and they would say, oh, we'll make loopholes. And then they would make these loopholes and then they would try to say, oh, look, we're perfectly keeping it. And the truth is, even while they were perfectly keeping it, guess what they had to do? They had to rely on the sacrifice. Whether it was a lamb, whether it was an ox, whether it was a turtle dove, no matter what it was, they had to rely on the sacrifice. And all that sacrifice ever did was represent us of Jesus. But you get on this spinning wheel. There's a, this group called Blood, Sweat, and Tears. <laughs> like, I, like I remember I heard it. I was in grade school. It was like in 2002. <laughs> wink, wink, wink. Right? And this song come on, it was like, like, what goes up must come down, spinning wheel, spinning around. 
And I thought, I remember listening, I was like 10 years old, 9, 10 years old, and I remember hearing this song, and I thought, that sounds like what my life can be like. It's a spinning wheel. It's up, and it's down, and it's up, and it's down, and I hear of this great good God, but and this great sacrifice that Jesus did, but it, it, he did it, and I'm supposed to rest in it, but then i got to keep doing this to be good enough for what he did. And I can't be good enough for what he did, so I keep messing up. And then I keep going back here, and so I'm up and down, and I'm like going around and around and around, and pretty soon, guess what? I'm so tired, I was like, you know what? I don't want nothing to do with this. You know what? They have a study in Dallas. They did a study in Dallas, and it's one of the most biblically churched places in the world, right? And they're finding that the next generation of youngsters aren't wanting to go to church, and they're like, we can't figure out why they're not wanting to go to church. Not only do they not want to go to church, they don't want nothing to do with God. And you know what I think? I think it has nothing to do with God, and I think it has everything to do with religion. When I grew up, I remember going to these preacher's kids retreat. And there would be preacher's kids who were, who were on it, and then there's a bunch of us who are just wild hoodlums, man. <laughs> like, we needed lots of prayer. Why? Because... When you focus on your do, you get only what you can do. It's not about what you do. It's about who you are. It's an identity shift. It's an identity change. It's something that happens inside of us. And if we, if we can't switch from, I mean, if, if we don't accept, do we either believe that Jesus died for us and died completely for us or he didn't do it at all? I mean, it just comes right down to that. And so in, in my heart and in, in my life, I got so tired. I got, by the time I was out of high school, I'd seen so much stuff with religion. I didn't want nothing to do with religion. But I had met Jesus. And Jesus done something in my heart, and it changed my life. And it didn't change me just from the outside in, but it changed me on the inside out. And I tried to run from God. And you know what? He'd be right there. And I think, oh boy, the God I was just told about, he's mad at me, he's going to beat me up, he's right. And he'd be there like, hey, I got you, come back to me. Hey, I'm here, come back to me. Hey, I love you, come back to me. Not once did he say, you rotten su sucker, You're, I'm sending you to hell. Like I had no security in my life. There was nothing to, to rest on because everything had to do with me. And when it becomes... Uh, when we do that with us, what we're really doing is we're putting ourselves as God. You know what we're saying? We're saying, I'm good enough. I can do enough. I, I can do it. I don't need you, Jesus. Thank you for all the trouble you went through. But I got this. That's exactly what we're saying to him. And I come to a point in my life where I need him. I don't just need him like on Sunday. I just don't need him... Like, like, I need him every day. And so, when I come to this place where I found out that it's Christ in me, the hope of glory, it's Emmanuel, Jesus, something broke inside me in a good way. And it's like I had Jesus locked in this cage. Like, he's at the door of our heart knocking. A lot of people, he's knocking to get in, but some of us, he's knocking to get out. He says, I stand at the door and knock. It's like he's trying, hey, let me out. Let me 
live in and through you. You know, we are the body of Christ. Right? I, keep, I always talk about eschatology because I love escalators at the airport. So I love studying. Like, I don't know why people go to the airport and just study escalators. I mean, what? I mean, no, I know what that means, eschatology, the end time. But what, what worries me is we get so caught up on the end times that we forget that we are the body of Christ right now. And so we're waiting on an outside God to come, and he's living on the inside of us, waiting for us to stand up, to rise up, to live up, and go out and do something great for him. Not do something to, do, to gain his favor, but do it out of his favor. Not doing something because we want to be free, but living because we're free. And when we start focusing on that identity and who we are, then we start living out those things rather than trying to be good enough when you will never, if you were good enough, Jesus would have never had to come. If you could do it on your own, they would have never needed the sacrifices as a shadow and type of Jesus. But in him, he makes us righteous, completely righteous, completely whole, completely loved. You know what? He loves you. The Bible says God so loved the world that he gave his only son, the son whom he loved. Remember Abraham going up the mountain. He's like, Abraham, I want you to give your son, the son you loved, your beloved son, your one and only son. Why? Because it was a type and a shadow. It was the biblical imagery of Jesus and what he was going to do. And so here Abraham says, okay. And he brought him up. And what did God do? He, he provided the sacrifice. There is a ram in the thicket. That's why we blow the shofar. When you blow the shofar, what do you hear? You hear the sound of freedom. It reminds you of that provision of God's sacrifice. And so I love hearing the shofar blow, especially like at Passover and stuff, because it's about freedom. It's for freedom that Christ set us free. And so the, the Israelites were in slavery, man, for 400 years. Now, God gave a promise to Abraham. And he told Abraham, he said, hey, they're going to be in slavery for 400 years. And then he made a covenant with Abraham, right? So Abraham set the covenant up. But God said, no, what? You're going to be put to sleep because you can't keep it on your own. I'm going to keep it. And so God himself walked through the sacrifice. And he said, I'll make this covenant. So the covenant was not between Abraham and God, just on Abraham's ability, but it was between God and God. He's like, I'm going to keep it on behalf of myself. And you can, and he literally, it's almost like us when we're in Christ Jesus. Does, it, does that make sense to you? Like when we're in Christ Jesus, we, we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So we are, are encapsulated in his goodness and in his love and in his sacrifice. And therefore, I mean, did Jesus ever sin? Like if he did, then none of this stuff we're doing makes a difference. We either believe it or we don't. So... He's perfectly righteous, perfectly whole. And then if we're in him, when we go to the Father, what do we go to the Father? What do we do? We go in Jesus' name. What is Jesus' name? Name, like in, in the Western um, culture, we look at things a little different. 
But when you go into like, like the Arabic and Hebrew type cultures, there's a whole lot more biblical imagery and a whole lot deeper meaning. Like every word, every letter means something more. And so, so as, you, as you dig into these letters and dig into who Jesus is, you find that he's alive. And it's even greater than what we ever expected, right? I'm getting carried away and way off my message. I'm excited a little bit. Passover did something in me this year. And um, I want to see God alive. Not just out there, but living in here. Man, we, we can get so caught up in ourselves that we miss. We have the greatest thing that ever lived inside of us. We have all that hope, all that promise, all that peace. It's like, I just want to know him. Paul said, I just want to preach Christ and Christ crucified. You know what? He's like, I just want, want you to see how good Jesus is. I want you to see him in, in Genesis, and I want, to see, want you to see him in Revelation, although they didn't have Revelation when he said that. He said, I want you to see him in every ounce of me, and I want you to see him crucified. I am crucified with Christ, therefore I no longer live, but it's Christ who lives within me. And Jesus coming back? Yeah, he's coming back. But when he comes back, we're, we're going to be in him. We're in Christ. We're in Jesus. So you know, like I get in eschatology, you got the pre, mid, you know, post. I'm just the pan guy, man. Just all going to pan out. Right? I do have my opinion, but, I, but my focus is on Jesus and who he is and his peace and his love and his goodness for me. So, all that's to set me up for this. So we have Passover. We, we, we did Passover. We celebrated Passover. But I brought this up too on Passover because I think it's so powerful. But he, it, he says in Exodus 12:1, The Lord said to Moses and Aaron in Egypt, This month is to be for you the first month. The first month, uh, the first, yeah, to... This helps. This month is to be for you the first month, the first month of your year. Tell the whole community of Israel that on the tenth day of this month, each, day, each man is to take the lamb for his pa- family, one for each ha- household. If any household is too small for the whole lamb, they must share one with their nearest neighbor. Having taken into account the number of people they are, there are, you are determined the amount of the lamb needed in accordance with what each person will eat. The animals you choose must be one year must be year old males without defect, and you may take them from the sheep or the goats. Take care of them until the fourteenth day of the month, and when all the people of the community of Israel must slaughter them at twilight. Then they are to take some of the blood and put it on the sides and tops uh, of the door frames. Of the houses where they eat the lambs. 
they that same night they are to eat the meal roasted over the fire along with bitter herbs and bread made without without yeast. Do not eat the meal raw or cooked in water, but roast it over the fire. Head, legs, and inner parts. Do not leave any part till morning. If some is left till morning, you must burn it. This is how you are to eat it with your cloak tucked into your belt, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand. Eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. And so as I was reading this, several things jumped out to me. But one of the things is you're to eat the whole thing. Like they said, we want you to, he's like, you got to take it all. We're going to put the blood on there, but we want you to partake of the whole thing. And as I realized that, there's so much of God and so much of Jesus, but we pick and choose what we like. Well, you can do this, God, but you can't do this. You can do this, God, but you can't do that. And I was like, no, take every part of me. Eat me completely. Let me be consumed by you. And I, I love that. And so I guess in a way that's a representation of Christ in us. Where did the lamb go? And then they were set free with the blood covered over. So you're not just Christ in you, but you're covered by the blood over you. And so there's power in that. Okay, that's kind of a gross way to think of it. Sorry, I just think different. But it says, don't leave any of it and burn it up because all God's wrath was burned. And then it said, on the same night, I will pass through Egypt and strike down every firstborn, both men and animals, and I will bring judgment on on all the gods of Egypt. I am the Lord. See, we just think God wasn't judging people. He was judging the gods that they worshipped. Every one of those plagues was meant to take down one of the gods and beliefs that the Egyptians had. And so here God comes along and he's like, I'm just not going to free you physically, but I'm going to free you mentally because they seen the great I am that I am come along. And all these gods that they had seen, they spent 400 years in Egypt. All these gods that they had, all these mindsets, all these paradigms, well, that God's there and that God's there. And can you, it probably crept into their, their thinking in some ways. And God says, hey, I'm bringing you out, but I'm going to bring you out with a clear mind and a clear conscience. There's no God but my God. There's no God but me is what he's saying. I am that I am. And the Bible says that when Jesus died, he went to hell. And when he come out, he come out and made a spectacle of the enemy. It was the first resurrection. The dead come back to life and come with him. People like if you read the Bible, it says they've seen their dead living again. So that's the first resurrection. That's kind of weird. No one talks about that. Like no one hardly ever ever brings that out because it's kind of weird but it happened that's how good the gospel was and that's how how powerful the resurrection is but man i'm not even to my point hurry up james so 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 anyway it it was to wipe out all um all these gods too all these we have so many idols and gods in our own lives one of them can be ourselves can be our works. Can be oh, and like this is the biggest one. Is, is, and in religion itself, we can make religion our god because we make that. I can do good, and I get good. I do bad, 
and I get beat is really what happens. But we will never earn our way to God through our works. We'll never earn God's blessings through our works. It's just by his grace and his sacrifice. Now, do we do good works? We do. Not because of what we do, but because of who we are. We become sons and daughters of the Most High God. Paul said, if you're going to preach the gospel, you've got to preach it almost to the point where people think you're giving them a license to sin. But the truth is, is I never needed a license or training. I was really good at it. I could still be really good at it. So, now, I have a license to be righteous and be who I am. I am a son of the Most High God. When you look at my driver's license, they should put that on there. You know, my genealogy changed. It changed to Son of God, Most High, the creator of the heavens and the earth, the creator of the universe. And when we get a realization of really who he is and where he's at, is he out there? Yeah, because he's everywhere, but he's right here. The kingdom of God is near you. It's inside of you. It's inside out, upside down. I keep thinking of up down. God, bring me your blessings. Bring me your blessings. So now I started trying to, I just pray and I'm like, Father, thank you that I have all that you are. I have your abundance. I have your peace. I have your hope. I have your forgiveness. And then if someone, if someone gets, you get mad at someone, like, like I got offended at someone because like, they were like mad because I was driving too fast and I was like, why are you walking and then yelling and screaming and like, why are you driving so fast, you know? And I'm like, like well, what do you got? You're not like a highway patrolman. You don't got like a radar dog gun. How do you know? So I started getting, getting offended at it and then I realized, wait a second. I'm not going to give that a place, you know? If, if they can get mad at me, I can get mad at them for, for, you know, for waving at me, telling me to slow down or whatever, you know? This dude at the end of our hill, like he's got this sign, and it says 10 miles an hour, and the speed limit's 35. And so you drive by, and he'll get out there in the road and start waving. And every time he waves, I hit the gas. It's like, I ain't going 10. I'm going to go faster. You want me to go faster? It just has the opposite effect. And that's what happens to us when we get out and get focused on the things we don't want. We end up bringing more of it into our life and making it bigger than it, it really is. So like, like one of the things God's really showing me is that if all things work for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose, I have no enemies but me. Now how's that? Because I get to choose. How do I not have any enemies? Because no matter what you do to me blesses me, you can't hurt me. Something to think about. You're like, well, you know. And then I want to hold on to that too sometimes. And then God's like, I remember that Jesus died on the cross. And as he was dying on the cross, he said, Father, forgive them. So it helps me in, in that too. So I can forgive the guy who's down the hill. Even though I'm still going to speed up when he does it. Because I think it's fun. So, but he says this. I got so much I want to share. Dumping everything on you guys this morning. Sorry. (laughs) Actually, I'm not sorry. Thank you, Jesus. 
So on the same night I will pass through Egypt and strike down every firstborn, both men and animals, and I will bring judgment on all the gods of Egypt. I am that I am. That's what he's saying. I am the Lord. That, that Lord there is I am that I am. He says, I am that I am that I am. Do you, do you understand what he's saying? He's saying I am. He, God says he's an ever-present help in the time of trouble. Ever-present. He is. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And if he was present here with them, he's present here with you too. No matter what you're facing, no matter what it looks like, no matter how you feel, no matter how hopeless it seems, I am that I am is here. And he says, the blood will be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. No destructive plague will touch you when I strike Egypt. Now, now this is probably one of the most powerful scriptures in the entire Bible if you really look at what God's saying. Now, now listen to this. The blood will be a sign for you. It was the blood of a lamb. And it was on the doorpost of the house. And it was put up over there. You could see hay in it. And you could see tov. He said, I'm the alaif and I'm the tov. I'm the beginning and I'm the end. But he was telling you, I'm the sacrifice and I'm on the cross and you can see the power in it when you see the blood then this too will pass over you what looks impossible to you I'm telling you scripture says greater is he that's in heaven than he that's in the world is that what it says greater is he that's far off out here than he that's in the world Is that what it says? Greater is he that is where? In you than he that is in the world. Who's he? It's Jesus. And then he says this. This is a day you are to commemorate for the generations to come. You shall celebrate it as a festival to the Lord, a lasting ordinance. For seven days you will eat the bread made without yeast. On the first day, remove the yeast from the houses. And on and on and on. This like goes, I want to get to my point. This is the day you are to commemorate for the generations to come. You shall celebrate it as a festival to the Lord. They hadn't gone through Passover yet. There wasn't no lamb. This was before they took the blood and they put it on the doorpost of their house. This was before they ate the whole lamb. This was before they all left Egypt. The Bible says they all left. Not one was lame. Not one was feeble. There's power in the lamb. There's power in, in what Jesus' finished work. And that's what it's trying to tell us right here. There is power. We sing that song, there is power, power, wonder-working power. If I keep singing, everyone's not going to ever come back, right? And so they'll be like, mute, mute, mute. All of you guys out there are like, mute, mute, mute. He's singing now, right? But there's power in the blood. Where do we get that? Do we really believe that? I want to challenge you. There's power in the blood of Jesus. There's power in his finished work. 
not just to change us from the outside. He will change us because he's made us a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And if you're running from God out there, I want to tell you something. God loves you just like you are. When the prodigal son ran, God wasn't waiting to beat him up. He just had a robe and sandals and a ring. And he's like, come back to me. Just turn around. I'm right there. Surrender to me. I got you. That's for us too, man. Maybe we know him and we're running. Maybe we're tired. Maybe we're on the spinning wheel and going round and round and round. And we see, we see this promise. This is the day you are to commemorate. And he told him way before, right before it was going to happen. You know what that means is that when they took that Passover, they did it by faith. They did it by trusting God. And when they did it, you know what, what happened? They were free. And then you go to Joshua. And after they went round and round and round in the desert, because they went from, oh, look at all the great things God did, to, oh, I can't, I'm like a grasshopper. And then a whole generation died out. And he's like, Moses, my servant, is dead. Okay, Joshua, let's go into the promised land. And um, that will be continued. Right? So there's power in Jesus. There's power in his finished work. My whole point of this is the power of the promise. When God gives a promise, he keeps it. You know why? Because he cannot lie. Every word is true. You can trust God in his promise. You can just trust God in his peace. You can trust God in who he is in and through you. And so we can surrender to that. Right? Thank you for listening. If you'd like to learn more about us, check out our website at www.silverlakebaptist.com dot o-r-g